Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Unless the doctrine is major doctrine, unless it's doctrine upon which salvation hinges, those are the kinds of things that we have to learn to agree to disagree agreeably over. We have to be able to say, well, you know what? I don't see it that way. I don't really agree with that, but I'm not going to try to cast aspersions on this person or question the validity of their calling or gifting. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 15, verse 36, through chapter 16, verse 6, in a message titled, A Parting of the Ways. Now, here's Pastor Brian. As we come to study here in Acts, I want to focus in on this situation here in the passage where you have a separation that takes place between these two great men and and really, you know, good, very, very good friends and co-laborers in the gospel, but they they just, you know, they come to a place where they can't agree about something and they there is a parting of the ways. And so what I what I want us to do is I want to look at the story and and I want to just look at how they how they navigated this as as really a model of when those kinds of things happen today, how we ought to navigate it as well, uh, looking at it kind of on a larger level of ministry, but then uh, ultimately applying it to our own personal lives because we all can have disagreements at times with other Christians, and we need to know the right way. There's a right and a wrong way to disagree, and so we want to Look at that as we look at the story here. So just again, the background. So after the controversy over the Gentiles' relationship to the law of Moses, after that was settled, Paul and Barnabas returned to their ministry in Antioch. And so you remember they went up to Jerusalem. They had this big council. The final decision was the Gentiles do not need to keep the law of Moses. And they wrote a letter and sent it out. And and so these guys went back to the ministry that they had previously been engaged in, in Antioch, they went back to teaching and preaching God's word. And then after some time, Paul had the idea that they would revisit those churches that they had established on that first missionary journey. So he threw that out to Barnabas, and Barnabas agreed that that was a good idea. But Barnabas wanted to take with them, he wanted to take John Mark. Now, just remember the background, John Mark is, first of all, he is the nephew of Barnabas. So there's a, you know, a family connection. Uh, John Mark went with them on the first journey, but the problem was he, he didn't follow through. He didn't stay with them the whole time for whatever reason. And it sounds like, you know, maybe he was frightened or something, or just, he just wasn't up for it. He left, he left the mission. So when Barnabas says to Paul, great idea, let's go back and strengthen the churches. I want to bring John Mark. Paul says, no way. We're not, we're not bringing him because he left us previously. And so it says in verse 39 that the contention became so sharp that they parted 
from one another. So this is a, a pretty, you know, serious moment because these two men were both great men of God in their own right. And they were men who had been partnered in the ministry from the earliest days of the earliest days of Paul's conversion. Barnabas was the one who had come alongside and, you know, affirmed him in his faith and, you know, introduced him to the apostles. And so, you know, they were great, they were great friends, obviously, and they were a powerful team uh, together for the advancement of the gospel. Now, just on a, a side note, this is the last mention of Barnabas in the book of Acts. So from this point forward, the narrative is going to focus on the, the ministry of Paul. And, you know, the book of Acts it has uh, those, those segments where they, there's kind of Luke is centering in all those. There's a lot of activity going on. He's centering in on one person's ministry. So the early part of Acts, Peter is, you know, he, he's the one who's, the, the emphasis is kind of on his ministry. And then, but Barnabas comes in and he has a pretty substantial part that he's playing and there's a lot that's said about Barnabas and then of course Saul becomes Paul and he's introduced but the remainder of Acts from 16 forward Luke is just really focusing on the ministry of Paul so, so and I say that because of this some people have said well you know it was obvious that Paul was right and Barnabas was wrong because uh, Barnabas isn't mentioned anymore in Acts well that's really not necessarily accurate the reason Barnabas isn't mentioned anymore is because Luke is just focusing on Paul's ministry. And Paul, all the while, was the person that God was really raising up ultimately, you know, to be in the position of uh, like a stronger leadership position. So, so that's the background. That's what, what was going on. And so here's what we want to do. We want to look at the way they... I want to look at, at how they handled this whole separation thing, but I want to look first of all at what they didn't do, and that's important, what they didn't do. Then I want to look secondly at what they did do, and then thirdly, I just want to uh, draw some lessons out from that. So what they didn't do, number one, was they didn't disparage one another. So they had a sharp disagreement, and they parted ways, but they didn't disparage one another. So in other words... They didn't go off their separate ways and then start gossiping or slandering about the other person. You know, Paul didn't leave and say, yeah, Barnabas, you know, he just doesn't know what he's doing. I'm obviously the one who, you know, God's hand is on me and, and I know the right direction. And, you know, Barnabas is, he's, you know, he's off base wanting to take John Mark. Uh, they didn't do that. And likewise, Barnabas didn't do that. He didn't say, you know, Paul's this hard-nosed guy and nobody can work with him. And, you know, he's just, it's my way or the highway or, you know, whatever they might have said back then. But they didn't say that stuff. They handled it the right way. They just had a disagreement. They couldn't resolve it. And so they moved on. But they moved on without disparaging one another Secondly, they didn't call into question the validity of one another's ministry. It's kind of the same thing, but, it, you know, it's a little bit of a different aspect because sometimes if there's a disagreement or a separation, 
one party or sometimes even both parties feel like we have to now question the validity of the other person's ministry. They didn't do that at all. They were both apostolic men. It was obvious that God's hand was upon them. So there was never any suggestion from either one of them that the other's ministry was somehow not valid because of the the incident that occurred. And along with that same thing, they didn't, they didn't choose up sides. They didn't say, hey, you're, you know, if you're with me, then you're not with them. And if you're with them, then you're not with me. They didn't do anything like that, which is really important to recognize because what they didn't do, it shows that they had a, a maturity level and that even though it was in some ways from a personal standpoint, it was probably an unfortunate break, but, but we'll see as we go on, it was a temporary situation, but you know, they just handled it maturely is, is what they really did by not doing these things. And so, you know, when, whenever there's a disagreement and people go separate ways and then, you know, somebody comes along and says, well, look, you know, you're either with me or you're, or you're with them and you, you know, you've got to make a choice. You know, when that's happening, you know that this thing is being driven more by the flesh than by the spirit. So they didn't do those things. What did they do? Well, they separated amicably. They separated peacefully. They had, they had a disagreement and they were both uh, convinced that their view on the thing was the right thing. They couldn't resolve it between themselves. And so they just said, okay, we're going to go our separate ways. And remember, the mission was to go back and to revisit the churches that they had established. So Paul doesn't say, hey, no, Barnabas, you, you can't go because, you know, you're obviously wrong and you're going to, you know, if you go and try to, you know, further the mission, you're just going to mess things up. It was like, okay, you go this way. Barnabas goes to Cyprus. That's where they originally started the mission. Barnabas was from Cyprus. He took John Mark. He sailed to Cyprus. He picked up the ministry there. And Paul takes Silas, and he goes a different route. Barnabas goes across on on a ship, obviously, to the island. And then he sails from there to Pamphylia, if he goes there. But Paul goes the land route. It could be that they reconnected at some point on the mission, maybe in the middle, and got things resolved. But they uh, separated amicably. They went forward with the mission. And here's the, the greatest part of the story, in my opinion, is they reunited for future ministry. So this wasn't a permanent situation. It wasn't a break where they, they never reconciled. The beautiful thing in scripture is that we see that there was a reuniting for future ministry. How do we know that? As I said, Barnabas is done in the book of Acts. We don't hear anything more about him. But we know that because in Paul's epistles, he makes reference to his ministry partnership with Barnabas, and he speaks about that to the Corinthians. Now, the churches in Corinth were not even started at the point that we're at in the historical account here. So it's actually, you know, chapter-wise, it's chapter 18 when we get to the establishing of the church in Corinth. And listen to what Paul says in writing to the Corinthians. He asks them this question. He's talking, you know, it's a bigger topic, but he says to them, He says, is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? 
So it's clear from that simple statement that Barnabas and, and Paul reunited for the ministry in, in Corinth. So they resolved their difference and they were back together again doing ministry in Corinth. But not only Barnabas, but also Mark. And we read in Colossians 4.10, Paul again is speaking there and he makes reference to Mark. He says to the Colossians, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin, he was the nephew, the relative of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And then in writing to Timothy, Paul's very last letter, he says to Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me for ministry. So, the problem was resolved. And although they, they would, you know, in the future, collaborate in ministry again, I think in one sense the separation was rather permanent in the sense that Paul had his team and Barnabas had his team. And as I want to point out in a moment in more detail, in the end that was a better thing because it made for more outreach potential. So, some of the lessons that we can take away from this. Uh, number one lesson is solid, mature Christians sometimes disagree. And I say that because of this. You know, there, there's a tendency to think that if you're solid and mature, <laughs> you're, you're never going to disagree uh, with people. Um, and people who do disagree, it, the problem is, uh, you know, some sort of immaturity or some defect in their spiritual life, not necessarily true. These guys are both obviously solid, mature Christians, right? They're, they're apostles and they're leaders in the church, but they have a, a, this a disagreement. They just can't get over this hurdle. Barnabas is sympathetic to John Mark. He wants to bring him along. Paul is adamant, like no way. He's going to be a hindrance to what we're trying to do. And so they can't resolve the problem. And this does at times happen. And it's happened throughout the history of the church. But again, the, the important thing is that it, even if there's a disagreement, that you, you do it amicably. You do it without demonizing the other person. And uh, back in the... 18th century revival, as it is called, there were two men who were very instrumental in this great move of God's spirit in England at the time. And their names were John Wesley and George Whitfield. And they were a team, kind of like a Barnabas and Paul type of a team. They were the, the dynamic duo of their generation. And they, they were in ministry together and they you know, they, they preached the gospel together side by side and all of this, but they had a, a theological difference. And at a certain point, that theological difference began to kind of put a wedge between them. It wasn't a major difference, but it was definitely a difference. And so in the end, they ended up separating. And as a result, John Wesley went this direction. George Whitfield went this direction. And Wesley, quite frankly, didn't even handle it all that maturely. He 
couldn't help but taking pot shots at uh, Whitfield. Uh, Whitfield was more gracious and more kind and just sort of ignored it and didn't really you know, let it become an issue. But, but all that to say, they were both mature Christians in many ways, but they disagreed and they parted ways. And Paul and Barnabas were not the first people or, or the only people that this ever happened with. So secondly, disagreements and separations are not always a matter of right or wrong. Who was right in this situation? That, that's kind of what we, we look for so often, isn't it? We're looking for, well, well who, who was right? We, we tend to want to find the fault a lot of times. But you know what? Who was right in this? I don't, I don't know that anybody could with absolute certainty say Paul was right or Barnabas was right. I think really you have to kind of just look at the, the situation and realize that in some ways these men were both acting according to their personalities and according to some degree to their giftings. And you could kind of see it like this, I think. Barnabas, as was his nature and as was his, his ministry gifting, Barnabas was more concerned about the person. Paul, as was his gifting and as was his personality, he was more concerned about the mission. So Barnabas, this is, remember, we did a study on Barnabas. Barnabas was the son of encouragement. That's what he did. He encouraged people. So the, the person who was, you know, downcast, the person who might have failed, the person who was maybe, you know, a bit on the outside, Barnabas was the guy that's going to come along and he's going to pick that person up and say, hey, come on, let's, let's get back in the race. Let's go. And Paul, on the other hand, Paul is, he's like the guy with the forehead of flint. He has just got his mindset and we're going here, we're going to do this, and anything that is going to detract from that, anything that's going to get in the way of that, we're not, we're not going to have that. So in a sense, they were, they were both sort of just acting in accordance with, I think, their personalities and in their gifting. So we need to avoid having to draw the conclusion that there's, you know, somebody's right and, and somebody's wrong. So, and like I already alluded to, sometimes there are theological differences. Sometimes there are what you would call methodological differences. A methodological difference is, is just what it sounds like. It's a, a different method. Somebody says, you know, I think this is the way we should do it. And somebody says, no, we shouldn't do it that way. We should do it this way. And oftentimes it's not even theological. Sometimes it's theological meaning that there's a, a doctrinal disagreement. And as I've said in previous teachings, unless the doctrine is major doctrine, unless it's doctrine upon which salvation hinges, it's that those are the kinds of things that we have to learn to agree to disagree agreeably over. We have to be able to say, well, you know what? I don't see it that way. I don't really agree with that, but I'm not going to become disagreeable and I'm not going to try to cast aspersions on this person or question the validity of their calling or gifting. Those are the things that our flesh naturally gravitates towards, so we have to fight against it. Sometimes it's a philosophical difference, again, like a philosophy meaning I think this way about it and therefore I want to move in this direction. 
and like I've already alluded to, sometimes it's a temperament difference. You know, people have different temperaments. People have different personalities that weigh in on these things. And, and sometimes it just comes down to they just no longer can see eye to eye on things. But here's the third point. Disagreement that leads to separation, if handled maturely, can be beneficial for the greater purpose of the kingdom. And I think when I look at this, I think that in the end, this is one of those things where in God's sovereign purposes, you know, this personality conflict is really in the end going to be beneficial for the kingdom. How is that? Because you've got two strong leaders who are doing everything together, but now they're going to separate. They're still going to be strong leaders. So you're going to have double the effort that you had previously. And I think that's the, the way to understand that. That, you know, sometimes, you know, we might even, and I know I, I've done this at times over the years, you know, you're, you're, you're connected with somebody and you're going along side by side and you're doing ministry together, but then, and, and you realize that, man, this person is gifted and, you know, you see that and, you know, there's kind of that mutual recognition. But then there's a point where you realize, you know, we, we could do a lot more if we just went in a little bit of a different direction. But sometimes even the friendship itself will prevent you from doing that. It's like, oh, but no, we, we just want to stick together. And sometimes it can be like a little bit of a disagreement that comes in that, that it starts to stir you up a little bit and make you realize that, well, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's time to do something different. I've seen this happen over and over again, especially in the context of missions. People go out on the mission field, they go out arm in arm, you know, brothers, we're going to go out and conquer this, you know, continent or country for Jesus. And they do that and they do it well. They do it effectively for some time, but then they suddenly have some kind of a disagreement. If they can deal with that maturely and decide to separate maturely, actually the, the, the ministry can be doubled. But again, so often there's the tendency to drift back and start to point the finger at the other person and criticize and, you know, want people to think you're right and they're wrong and all of that. So um, we have to recognize that sometimes God allows these things for the purpose of expanding the work. And, and like I'm saying, if we look at it maturely, we can just say, okay, well, yeah, I get it. These guys think this and he thinks that. And therefore, you know, we've got a difference of opinion that's irreconcilable, but it's not a major doctrinal difference. It's just a you know, methodology, philosophy, maybe a bit theological. And we can, we can see it in a positive light instead of in a negative light. Now, so th those are some of the lessons that you might take away from this. Join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, I want to take a minute and tell you about a fantastic book on the subject of the grace of God. This is one of the 
greatest topics that we could ever study and we could ever come to really thoroughly understand. God's grace. God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is what carries us through life. And God's grace is what will ultimately lead us home. And my wife, Cheryl Broderson, she has written an amazing book on grace. It's called A Woman's Battle for Grace. And I would like to recommend this, not just to our women listeners, although it's sort of specifically for women, but it's a little more general on grace. So I think any of you men that would be interested in the topic, you would be blessed by this book as well. So it's called A Woman's Battle for Grace, and it's by Cheryl Broderson. And I want to recommend that you get it and read it, and I guarantee that you'll be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. You can order the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson to help you experience the power of God's grace within your life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.